Class is in session again here in Lecture Hall Room 101 of the Stately Apartment Academy. Uh, the Apartment Academy podcast is the multifamily industry's only operations-focused podcast featuring insights from industry leaders, investors, vendors, technology providers. So if you invest in multifamily real estate uh, or if you are involved in day-to-day operations of apartment buildings, we are your source for efficient operations and maximizing NOI. Today's podcast was with Allison Brown. She's the Senior Vice President of Operations uh, over at, at LiveCore. And as I state during the podcast, uh, holds a unique position, I think, in our industry with uh, visibility into and, and, and control over a number uh, of large and small operators alike that, that service uh, the LiveCore portfolio. So there's going to be a lot to, to take away here from today. So here's Allison. Hey, Allison, welcome to the Apartment Academy. Um, you know, you have an interesting background uh, to, that I think those in the industry love to see, which is starting from really in the trenches and, and migrating up through the position that you're at today. Would, would you mind, would love to just, a little, just give us a little back, a bit about your background and how you ended up at, at LiveCore. Sure. First of all, thank you for having me. It's really a, a pleasure to be here and a treat. This is about as social as I've been the last year and a half. So thank you, Daniel, for the invitation. Um, I'm not sure it's a love thing. It might be a love-hate thing. Um, I was one of those folks that didn't know that this industry existed almost 25 years ago and marched into my leasing office uh, one day and was recruited by a very assertive community manager who knew better than I did um, what my future would hold? Um, I thought I was taking a job to be a leasing consultant when my three boys were little ones so I could be right next to their school. Um, and turns out I just absolutely fell in love with the industry. So I spent the first few years um, with Equity Residential. I ended up there about 15, um, working in the field. So leasing consultant to assistant manager to community manager had a really terrific opportunity and was recruited actually to move into the regional support group by the leasing consultant who at least me my apartment, ironically. Um, we're still friends today. Um, worked in regional support, which was really a regional training analyst position. And then migrated into a true traditional analyst position at Equity. Moved to a regional manager, then a senior regional manager. Um, left equity to go to a uh, private non-traded REIT, Steadfast, where I spent three years with a national portfolio, helping to grow their conventional real estate arm, and found myself five and a half years ago making the switch from operations to asset management. So you say love, um, but I'd say a lot of folks are taken off guard when they're dealing with somebody in an asset management group that knows intuitively um, what day-to-day operations look like in the various roles, but it, it's been a blessing. We'll say that. So, Allison, there are f- there are very few owners in the world uh, like Blackstone. I've, I've personally seen it only once with with the kind of the TIA Cref Group, where you have a massive ownership entity that um, outsources a hundred percent of the management to such a wide ranging group of operators, not just one or two, but there's, you know, over 20 or so in your portfolio. And, you know, most owners that reach that size eventually decide 
they want to bring management in-house. Instead, um, Blackstone's created LiveCore. They buy the properties, keep the existing uh, operators in place, and then have created arguably the most sophisticated asset management uh, team in the industry to then manage that portfolio. Um, is that a fair assessment of, of LiveCore's place in the ecosystem? I think you've, you've got a good picture of it with a lot of confidence for our business model. So thank you. But yes, I think that illustrates it well. Yeah. So what I want people to understand is, is Allison's unique perspective here. And I feel it really is unique. There's very few people I think that, that can have this perspective is from an asset management standpoint to have so many different operators working for you. Um, many of the, many of them operators people would know like top tier quality, well-respected, well-regarded operators to have that kind of wide ranging visibility is unusual and really super beneficial. So, you know, you have somebody today, today, dear students here at the apartment Academy who probably has a better grasp of what matters in property management than most people that you'll run into. Um, and so with, with that as context, Allison, why don't we, why don't we just start broadly? What do you feel are some of the biggest challenges in operating multifamily properties? How do you, how do owners mitigate, um, these operational risks if you're not in control every day? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think one of the, the unique opportunities here is that we really try, um, it's a delicate balance, but try to manage through influence over authority. Um, you mentioned that you ran asset management um, for one of the big REITs. And you probably know that traditionally, um, when you're managing the PL, you're just pointing at a number saying, make this better. Um, and when LiveCore was constructed, it was with a different idea in mind. Um, it was creating vertical SMEs, so subject matter experts who could be what I call almost free consultants to our operating partners. And the great news is that breadth that you're talking about, I've been here for five and a half years and um, we've had nearing 60 operating partners, I think as few as uh, 14, I think that's as low as we've gotten. Um, and that was only for a heartbeat. We get that sort of breadth and expansive knowledge um, and a sandbox to play in, if you will. But what that requires is really deep relationships, respectful relationships with each of our partners so that we can ideally problem solve industry issues collaboratively while, yes, asset managing and managing um, the real estate and frankly, the relationships and what feels more like a partnership. And I do think that that's unique and a unique opportunity for us to expand our knowledge. Um, I like to say we're bees. Um, we go and collect the best of everything we see and then share it. Um, so it's a humble approach to management. We don't think we know everything, um, but we are keen to ask lots of questions and learn, and we've got great partners to do that with. So what are some common hallmarks you've seen? Like you've got a, let's say it's a new relationship and a new operator has been brought into the fold. What are, what are some common hallmarks you see right away? These guys are going to be a, a great operating partner. Yeah, well, for, you first have to under, understand us and Daniel, you know better than most what us means <laughs> because you're such a great business partner to us also. 
Um, you know, they talk in a social environment today about being extra. Um, I would say LiveCore is extra. Um, so the hallmark of a good operating partner is they adapt well. Um, they adapt well to our energy level, to our drive for performance, to our culture, to our pushing back, to our really imploring our operating partners to ask why when they need a value proposition or to say no um, when we're going to break their machine. And that's a hard thing. Um, when you think about third party management, you're pitching business. Um, saying yes, historically, is what got you the business. Um, so I would say one of the things that is really important for us in a successful relationship is that healthy friction um, and the transparency and accountability. Um, we share everything. We have a you know 250 page playbook on you know what we think it means to own, operate, and asset manage multifamily real estate. We sort of ask for the same transparency and relationships so that we can do it together. Um, I would say a couple of things just from a metric or, you know, talent perspective, this business has gotten tough. Um, and frankly, talent degradation is something that keeps me up at night. Um, and I think one of the things that we love to see are our operating partners, um, not just retaining teams, but engaging them, investing in them, building a culture around their people, uh, because people is everything. You know, we are working with people to provide homes for people so that we can deliver investment performance to people who have confidence levels in us and write a check so we can buy more deals. Um, and so the way that a company invests in people um, provides the resources they need to do their jobs. Um, so being thoughtful about layering on technology and business practices that interfere with the fundamentals of what they do to day to day um, are really things that we observe and highly value when it's done well. When you say talent degradation, Allison, are you talk, do you feel that that's fewer people are entering the property management field uh, at the site level these days? Or is there something else that, that's contributing to that? I mean, I think it's it's two things, really. I mean, one, the economics of the play today um, with unemployment often um, paying more than what your more junior folks are making on site doesn't make it conducive to show up for work every day when you don't have to. Um, I think second to that is you have an entirely um, big shift from a compensation standpoint in the industry. Um, away, in fact, from what really was attractive to folks like me when I got in the business 25 years ago, it was a, a pretty good salary and a rent discount. Um, and that's significantly different today um, without offsetting salary benefits and an increasing workload. You know, I look at what these teams on site do today um, in managing business intelligence and the changes that the prop tech investments have brought to their day-to-day -day operations. You know, I was on a site visit and asked a brand new community manager less than a year on her job to open everything she needed to have open on her computer to do her job that day. And it was north of 20 um, applications um, or programs running in her computer, um, plus customer service, but plus social media, plus reputation management, plus financial performance. You know, we're asking them to be more and more invested in the business as an investment. 
um, and run a team. I mean, it's a lot. Um, and so I do think that attracting talent is getting more challenging, particularly with competing industries. I think there was a um, multifamily insiders blog that talked about the increase in even community manager um, forecast of turnover. You're used to seeing it in leasing consultants and tech positions, but not in the more senior positions. And it's starting to move into positions that we're really accustomed to seeing long tenure. And that has an obvious effect on the property. Uh, so that's what I mean by degradation of talent. Yeah, I read that Swift Money did a did a did a, a study on uh, I think maybe might be the one that you saw as well, talking about how many property managers would consider leaving their their role within the next you know with the next twelve months, and so much walks out of the door, so much institutional knowledge, operational knowledge walks out of the door with a property manager that that can real be a real disaster. Is there? Do you think that? Um, do you think that owners need to make more room? Um, in their in their projected returns for paying um, a, a, a higher salary, or or is do you think that that offering a premium um, for for you know folks to stay or work for live core properties? Do you think that would move the needle? Do you think it's as simple as that? Like we just need to people just need to make more money. I think it's really a three pronged approach. Um, one is how do we offload work that can be centralized for the onsite team so they can do what they love to do. Most people that get into multifamily have a spirit for service. Um, they obviously loved the idea of providing homes for people and getting the menial jobs out of their way so that they can focus on serving their residents, helping to train and develop, engage their teams, I think is impactful. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to see what happens with the centralization of low value admin functions um, is one piece of it. Certainly, compensation always helps. Um, I, I frankly am a strong believer that you incentivize exceptional performance. So do I think you across the board just change your you know, salary GL on your PL? No. Um, I think you look at tiering uh, to pay the absolute highest performers who are delivering results. But I think there's something there. I think there's also, you know, something around how you invest in their lives and their livelihoods. Um, we work with a partner who at a corporate level is um, a really innovative concept, allowing folks to bring their babies in for 90 days after they're born. Now, I'm not saying that's going to work on site. Um, but I think there are some really creative approaches to how do we invest in the teams differently. And then I think the third piece of it is how do we contribute to culture rather than taking away from cultures that our operating partners are working really, really hard to build. And I think if you think about it that strategically, a piece of it's money, a piece of it's culture, and a piece of it is letting them do the job they do best. I think you might have a pretty great game plan. Yeah, I think you bring a really good point. Let's let's not forget about the importance of of culture. This is it is a difficult business, and again, Allison, you've been there, so you know it's it's often thankless. Um, it's often you know you if it, when you're on site, sometimes you hear only the bad from residents, and you don't you know it's it, it's you don't always um, 
get recognized for the small victories and um, a culture that really supports the folks in the field, um, especially during those difficult moments. Um, I, I agree. can make all the difference. Is there, is there any attempt? Um, is there any attempt when you engage with a new operating partner to ascertain or how does one ascertain whether or not your operating partner is really um, doing what they need to do to create a culture like that? Yeah, that's a great question, Daniel. Um, what's interesting, I mean, I've been collecting employee turnover data for three years now, just super keen on understanding the space. Um, but when you think about it, uh, what I think most folks don't realize is our operating partners are generally tracking the turnover of the associate. So was, you know, the leasing consultant, community manager, service manager, tech, was that a voluntary or involuntary termination to the company? But most folks are not tracking turnover at the property level. Um, and when you talk about the institutional knowledge that's lost when that person walks out the door, I don't care what position it is. Um, what's more lost is the camaraderie of the team. Keeping a cohesive team that communicates well together, wants to show up for each other, understands that work dynamic. I mean, you think about it in your career. Um, hasn't the best performance come from when you're working with the that most engaged collaborative teams that you built really solid relationships with? And when you compromise that by even losing a single associate, it changes the dynamic. I mean, you're only talking about in general for your average 300 unit property, a, a six person team. One person makes a giant difference when you take that person out of the canoe, no paddle, um, helping move the team forward anymore. That's a really significant loss. Um, so I, you know, I think tracking it is important, understanding it from that perspective. Monitoring the days vacant and positions is important. That stresses the remaining team. Um, that influences engagement. Those are all things we're definitely working with partners to understand and maybe look at a little differently. I wonder if you, do you expect to see with the rise of, you know, one of the things that, one of the things that, um, that the pandemic taught us as operators, I think, in this industry is that uh, we might have been wrong about this theory that people would only rent apartments from people and that you needed people to create um, a feeling like, oh, this is pl a place I want to live, right? And we're seeing virtual tours and we're seeing chatbots set appointments and give information. And I know we're still in the early days here, but um, what's your crystal ball say? Do you see that effect shifting kind of the on-site makeup and maybe, you know, you know peop maybe operators have more, um, you know, customer care people on-site rather than, you know, leasing staff. I don't know. What's your, what's your crystal ball say? Uh, well, we'll say this is the Allison Brown crystal ball <laughs> and not the LiveCore crystal ball because the jury is still out. Um, what I would say is we had an appetite for innovation in this space pre-pandemic. Um, so we had a 2020 initiative around self-guided tours before there was even any reason um, to aggressively pursue them. We certainly did uh, because we wanted to show up for the teams to provide the tools they needed to continue leasing. Uh, but the data is really muddy in that space. 
And so it truly is a crystal ball. I'm not going to give you anything that's analytically driven. And I get, I'm going to give you my read um, anecdotally. My read is that the sales experience is going to be need to be curated to the to the resident, the prospective resident. I think Daniel might want a very independent experience and he might want to go you go access a smart home, um, use a key code and be 100 percent independent. Allison might want a virtual hosted um, self-guided tour. So I'm going to show up at the apartment on my own. I don't want your pressure, but I want to be able to reach out to you and chat you with my questions. I want to have you FaceTime me through the um, apartment home, a number of ways that can be a virtual assisted experience. And then at least from initial data, it's appearing that most folks that are using the self-guided tour are using it in either an initial I'm going to go get a lay of the landscape, do it by myself, the first run through a whole bunch of places, and then go back and visit in person those that I'm serious with. Or conversely, I'm going to get serious about it because my roommate, partner, um, buddy can't get there um, during business hours. I'm going to tour them after hours. So we're seeing a, a multitude of interests and in how technology can serve that experience. But I, I do see that on the immediate horizon, it probably will be curated if it's done really well um, to the prospective residents, uh, not demands, but inclinations. All right. Well, we'll check in with you in a couple of years. We'll see how we'll see how close we were. Uh, but I agree with you. I, 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 I think that it definitely jury is still out, but but a change is afoot for sure. We will not be leasing the same way a year from now or two years from now than we do, we do today. I want to bring things back to operations because I'm, again, I'm really fascinated with LiveCore's operations model and your ability to affect the, you know, the, uh, to impact what happens on the, on onsite operations. I've heard you already touch on a few things that are important to LiveCore and things you, that you look for. Is there, do you think there's anything special or unique about that perspective of yours, of LiveCore's? and your approach to working with managers that allows your company to achieve better returns than from your assets than maybe others uh, than than owners might otherwise expect tactically um i'll speak tactically uh, there are probably three or four things that i can mention that we do that i think are probably unique um i don't think every asset management group hosts a kickoff meeting with all of their partners at the beginning of the year um, and sets not only financial goals for each organization and for each property, uh, but for example, we have a community of the quarter, um, a community of the year that we try to contribute to a celebratory environment that each of our operator operating partners can get around um, and rally around. I think it's unusual um, that an asset management group hosts open office hours. And we all leverage, various of us um, as departments, leverage open office hours to provide, again, what is essentially amounts to free consulting um, to these groups when they run into challenges. And goodness knows this last year, there were plenty of challenges. Um, and I think one of the things I can celebrate about LiveCore is that we were able to get all of our operating partners 
You know, these are folks that are pitching against one another and an open forum, problem solving together. That's pretty astounding. Um, one of the ways that we measure our success is how many fast follows we have. We want it to be a good enough idea that our operating partners want to do it across their whole company. Um, so we could go, you have to, but we'd rather say, what do you think about? And those office hour sessions, whether we're talking about marketing or revenue management or budgets or, you know, the implications of COVID and how you shut down amenities, reopen amenities, deal with payment plans, deal with the eviction moratorium, the increase in crime on properties. Um, all of those things are discussions that we have tackled openly in that forum uh, for the last year and a half. I think that's really unique. Um, we publish quarterly, uh, we call it BIB, Brilliance in the Basics, um, and sort of measure performance in the fundamentals. So instead of, uh, instead of focusing so much on a financial statement, we drive to understand the behavior behind the financial performance and focus on supporting, adapting that behavior. And you know, if you adjust the behavior and you provide a culture and an environment where people want to do it, the financial results happen organically. Um, instead of pointing to a financial and saying, fix this, um, which would almost assume negative intention. Um, in most cases, people want it. They, everybody shows up in the morning wanting to do a good job. So if you start with that premise um, and help support that, it's funny how the financial performance just comes. That's interesting. So um, would you mind, can you give us an example of what, what, uh, what comes to mind when you think behavior behind the financials and how you uncover that? That's, I think, a very interesting perspective. So one of our big hallmarks last year um, and Good. Keith, Keith Dodds would kill me for not knowing these numbers offhand, but I'm human after all. Um, but let's say we started uh, the LiveCorp portfolio at a 3-3 Google score. Um, reputational um, brand matters. Um, when was the last time you went to a restaurant with a 1.3 star at review and there were 300 reviews with an average 1.3? Probably never. Um, Conversely, if you have 300 folks rating that a 4.5, a 4.6, a 4.8, you just made your choice on what restaurant. You might not have even felt like that kind of food. And that star rating helped you make a decision. Well, there was a lot of emphasis put on that last year. And I'm not sure it was a 100-bit improvement to Google. But when you think about it, that's a behavior. That's not a direct correlation to the financial at the topmost level, but I think we'd agree that it's going to help drive rental income. It's going to help drive occupancy. It's going to help drive retention. So if you tie it back to the behavior and you help folks understand why is it important to, to respond to reviews? Why is it important to ask for reviews? Why is it important to deliver an exceptional customer experience so people feel different than when they're with you? That's why. So focus on the behavior. The results will have an automatic correlation. Yeah. The tyranny of the online reviews. Um, they're important though. I mean, it is, 
how can you how can you ignore them? We all know that at least those of us from the, in the industry, we all know that you, know, you generally get only reviews when people are unhappy. But nonetheless, I mean, there are communities out there with great reviews, so you know people are doing something right. Um, so that's that's interesting. The um, is there um, is any part of of the success that you have at LiveCore and Opry Books? Is any of that due to the scale of LiveCore? Do you does does that allow I don't know negotiating power, or do you um, I don't know get access to cool technology maybe that maybe other people aren't don't have yet yet access to, or because the the management is so um, widely dispersed between individual um, companies, do you do you do you not see that same sort of multiplier effect with with having so many properties under your control? I think it's both um, for very different reasons. Um, when you look at the scale of big REITs, you're generally talking about pricing power and procurement. And we've not been around quite long enough when you think about the longevity of LiveCorn, we're less than a 10-year-old company, um, to really capitalize on, on that. Um, and in early days, our whole periods were two or three years. Um, so did you really have time uh, to get involved at that deeper level, probably not. Um, we really relied on our partners to leverage their scale for those negotiations. Um, I'd say where we have a tremendous advantage, you know, when you think about, you know, having the privilege of partnering with Blackstone, um, I am confident that we get an audience in an ear that others maybe don't. Um, you know, whether that's prop tech groups or vendor relationships or, um, you know, I think that's a piece of it. But I really go back to what I said earlier, that true opportunities in scale have come from um, the relationships that we have with these operating partners and deep relationships um, where you get behind the curtain and really understand how these organizations are nuanced. And we try to do that so we can eliminate friction. Um, if we come in and we create fr friction, they can't do their job well. Um, if we, when we are approaching new initiatives or new implementations or thinking about technology or thinking about what that integration looks like with the existing ecosystem for our partner and have that rich knowledge, we can apply it to strategy for our whole portfolio. What really works about that model? What works at that model that we can help bring to other of our partners to say, have you tried this? Um, and so I think the scale comes from the relationships and the knowledge that's gained through those relationships. I think there's probably a point not too far in the future that we'll be able to better leverage um, our traditional scale for things and the traditional realm around procurement. But I, I I think the richest opportunity has been afforded by the knowledge gained from the breadth of those operating partner relationships. That's brilliant. Um, look, I think what you what you were illustrating earlier about bringing your operators together and having open, honest discussions, um, uh, I mean, scale allows you to do that, which is wonderful. And, and everyone benefits from that, for sure. Um, what about sort of beyond Beyond the, the you know occupancy and staying within operating budgets, what are the most important expectations that you have of third party operators? And you know what sort of what sort of capabilities, insights, um, 
does LiveCore demand? Well, I think first and foremost, we really, it's not just something we say, it's something we live every day. We want to set the bar and how these communities are owned and operated. Um, we have good owner standards, 11 of them, um, that you'd think most of which cover content that's fundamental, um, that should have existed in multifamily a long, long time ago. Whether you think about the way that people respond in a crisis or how things are escalated um, to address customer needs uh, or how we invest in the real estate, um, getting innovative around smart technology. Um, I think for me, and I, I think the broader team would say this, what is important is how folks show up every day um, and how they think about these communities, that it's not just a building, that it's people's homes, um, that when they are engaging with residents or managing the real estate, that they take personal pride in it um, and that they're getting creative with, yes, how, how to contribute to investment value. But if you have a piece of real estate that on paper uh, is worth a lot of money, but the reputation is really bad and um, the residents aren't enjoying their living experience, it's probably not going to translate um, to rent rental income performance. It's probably not going to translate to what you see on COE or NOI. Um, so I don't think that's sustainable. Um, and I think that's what we regard as the hallmark of a really great partner. Did I answer your question? Well, I think, I mean, look, you talked about owner standards early on, right? How do you, when you have so many different operators within your portfolio with different levels of sophistication, different cultures, um, how do you, how do you ensure, how do you keep them all on the same page with live core priorities, adhering to your core values that you want to see expressed in communities? How do you keep everybody on the same page? Well, my guess is when you were leading an asset management group, you didn't even have an operations team. Um, so I'm thinking I'm employed for that reason. Thankfully, <laughs> it's a big job. Um, and I would say we now have a team of folks um, who I get the pleasure of working with to do that. Um, I think that there's actually an advantage to the range that you're talking about across our operating partners. So let's just be straight about it. You have the big institutional players, right? The Titanics in the industry, everybody knows their name. Um, we actually work with quite a few owner operators who don't traditionally do third party. Um, so we're a super interesting partner for them because they're not used to having somebody in their sandbox with their own two cents about how things get done. And then we have our sort of boutique niche operating partners. And they're, you know, the sub 10,000 units, sometimes sub five. Um, and that's where we show up extra, extra. Um, but what I would say is each one of those groups has a strength. Um, so when you think of the boutique niche operators or niche operators, they're the ones that we can go to and say, we want to try this really cool thing. Does this fit with your ecosystem? And they can execute really quickly. Um, our big institutional operators are great folks to work through the um, implications of legal issues or jurisdictional changes around rental assistance. 
you know, what do you see as the exposure there? They're not going to be quickest to execute things, but they're going to be thoughtful because they share risk at a similar level to us. The owner operators look at their PL a little differently. They tend to look at it the way we do. You know, third party operators are motivated by something different, but they are similar from an owner sentiment standpoint. So when you think about it, you know, managing all of that, it just takes appreciating which each of them brings to the table. Um, yes, it's challenging, but if you can appreciate the opportunity that comes with the challenge, I think that's a big piece of it. Um, I think the other thing is we probably are more engaged than any other asset management group I'm familiar with in actually partnering uh, to write processes or contribute to creating processes or finding technology, wink, wink, you know better than any, um, that we will push relationships to fix industry problems. Um, and I think that by doing that, we earn a lot of trust and credibility with our partners. And then they are willing to go the extra mile for us too. Um, and I think that that synergy is what makes it a little, a little more manageable than it seems on the surface. Well, um, so Allison, this has been fascinating. You, you've taken me down a little, uh, some side roads I didn't expect to, to, to venture, but I think the insights you've shared with everybody with especially respect to um, how focused LiveCore is on, on partnering and culture, those important things. I mean, I, 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 maybe I half expected to hear a lot of, you know, we, you know, maybe what from my own stereotypical asset management background, like key performance indicators and, you know, NOI above and budget within. And, and I'm not hearing any of that. I'm hearing, uh, a lot of, look, we want to work together. We want to share knowledge. We want to come together. We, you know, we, which is wonderful. So hopefully I can have you back on again. We can talk about, you know, kind of what sort of things you do, what's working in the marketing these days. Do you think what's working in technology these days? I want to have those discussions with you, but let me, let me wrap, wrap up with this then. Um, uh, given your own again experience and your broad experience with, with, um, with a large number of different operators, what advice would you give to somebody who's looking to perhaps consider uh, property management or, or for that matter, asset management as, as a career, what should people know before they get into this business? Well, first I would, let's be super clear. I will definitely come back because I would be remiss in not representing that there is a whole lot of beating the conversation on KPIs and looking for financial opportunities. It's just a lot of that goes on in the conference rooms on our side. And we try to reserve, like identify the opportunity privately and then share, celebrate, consult, teach publicly. Um, but I think if I were uh, to, to convey that we were not focused on illustrating the financial opportunity, I would be completely misrepresenting our strategy and I might have a group of asset managers ready to spring up outside <laughs> because that absolutely is happening. Um, but I would say the relationship focus is what makes us special. For folks that are looking at getting into multifamily and asset management, anytime that I think about leaving, um, what I would miss is the amazing talent in the industry. What I would miss is how much innovation is happening in the space. Um, on the asset management side, you're seeing a lot of convergence with operations. 
So I think asset managers are getting more operationally savvy, even beyond LiveCore. Um, and I think you're seeing operators become a lot more sophisticated from an investment uh, management standpoint. And so there's just rich learning happening and innovation happening in this space. But mostly, I mean, my heart still goes to service, um, especially on the property management side. Um, if you have a spirit for service and you want to do something important, not everybody gets to say they contribute to providing homes to people. And they make that someplace that they can care about um, and feel proud of. And I think from an asset management standpoint, the best of them see themselves in service also. And they're serving the teams that are doing the work every single day to drive that investment value. So to get to be in a field of service with people, serving people, and driving investment value with something that's tangible, you can go see it. You can go see your brand and your impact, whether that's on the relationships or the real estate. That's pretty dang special. Spirit of service. That's a, that's a great way, I think, to, to summarize that. I've never heard anybody put it that way before, but it's absolutely right on. Um, well... Professor Brown, thank you for your uh, for your sharing your knowledge with us today and, and the the students here at the Academy. I hope we can do it again. I, uh, there's a lot more good things I'd, I'd wanted to talk about. And, uh, you know, we can't I could we'd probably sit here all day and talk about this stuff. So we'll have to break it up. Do it again later. But thanks so much for, for uh, taking the time to spend with us today. We, I really appreciate it. Thanks for logging in and listening today. If you've enjoyed these podcasts and feel like your management company could use a little advice from some of the professors here at the Apartment Academy, then go to our website, apartmentacademy.com, and click Help Me. We'll send you a questionnaire and provide individualized responses to your answers at no charge that I guarantee will offer you insights on ways you can immediately improve apartment operations. Class is now dismissed, and my office hours are posted. See you next time.